0: Well, we're in a uh, series right now that we're calling Jesus Unfiltered. And uh, when he, so many times whenever we hear scripture, we just automatically have our filters up. When you read anything from John 14, you really fixate on the first part, in my father's house or many rooms, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And uh, we, we, we focus on that promise at the beginning. The part that we don't really want to pay any attention to is this sixth verse where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but by me. And you see, the thing is that many times we wind up with filters that we we listen to things through, that we hear things through. Our experiences from our past uh, can uh, many times determine how we're going to interpret what we hear and what's going on around us. And this particular passage is one that has been uh, hear, heard through filters and then spoken about uh, with uh, uh, assumptions and presumptions. And uh, uh, just it's just so sad that people just can't hear what Jesus is saying and accept it. And let me tell you, this is one of those passages. It's the second passage that Jesus brought to mind the night that I came to know him as Lord and Savior. The first one was unless you become like a little child, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I thought about that and it dawned on me that I was one of these people that was trying to approach Christianity uh, like an adult, where um, basically I was saying, you prove it to me and I'll believe it. And children have no filters. They don't have any filters on what they hear they don't have any filters on what they say, right? Okay. So the thing is, uh, and I could tell you lots of different things that happen in children's messages uh, because they don't have any filters on what they say and there's no filters socially. Just think about it. I remember uh, I was talking to some little kids one day in a children's sermon and this, uh, this little kid he said, Hey preacher, you know what? You know what? You know what? And, uh, I said, "Well, no, what, what, Johnny? And I put the microphone right to his mouth so everybody could hear. And he said, my daddy don't drink whiskey. He drinks beer. (laughs) And I watched his mom just, her head just sink down because that's what her husband was doing every Sunday whenever she was in church. He was sitting at home. Drinking beer. But uh, so no filters. And sometimes we need to get like that. We need to take away the filters on what we hear. Take all the preconcepts that we have and just let them, let them out the window so we can really hear what Jesus has to say. This all started when we looked at the transfiguration and God spoke out of a cloud and he said of Jesus, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And so this morning, I want us to listen to him as he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, except through me. This morning, we're looking at one of the most important statements that Jesus ever said. Whenever I finally listened to, whenever I I started listening like a child and taking in the Christian faith like a child, immediately this passage popped into my head. And I thought, okay, the church says that Jesus is important. What was so important about Jesus? It was just about this time of year, come to think of it. It was in Lent and uh, I saw that in the church the cross was very important and then I realized that the cross was very important to Jesus when he knelt in the garden of Gethsemane he agonizingly prayed father if there be any way let this cup pass from me and apparently the father said there's no other way son Because Jesus got up from there and he went to the cross. It would be a cruel and capricious God that would send his son through such agony if there was another way. And so just that fact makes it clear. There's no other way. As far as the father's concerned, there was no other way. He had a chance to stop it, but he didn't. There's no other way and whenever I grasped that I saw that the way that was made for me to be cleansed of my past and given a brand new start with God was through the cross and what Jesus had done for me in obedience to the Father And if you, once you get the filters removed and really hear what Jesus has to say, it liberates you because it removes all the confusion and iffiness and you start really living in faith instead of trying to figure, I guess you might say. So this morning, as we look at this passage, when confronted with this statement of Jesus, many just skip over it and try to, try to pretend that it's not there. It almost embarrasses them that it's there in our Bible. In fact, when I told someone close to me that I was going to be addressing this passage this morning, they, with great concern, cautioned me that this was a really sticky matter, and uh, it could really be misinterpreted and misconstrued. And I'd better be very careful. And uh, it's just the climate that we live in. But the, it's kind of sad that people even have to look at this passage and be concerned because this is where you find life. It's in the words of Jesus, not what we try to make him say, but what he really says. Some people that I love dearly just uh, set aside all rational thought, Uh, and wisely and piously say, well, yes, I believe that Jesus said that, and I believe that that's true for me. But that doesn't mean that there's not some other way that's just as true for somebody else. Now, that's when you set your brains aside whenever you think that there's multiple truths and uh, we talked about this. I've, uh, I've actually seriously been asked by good Methodist church members, Moses, Mohammed, Martin Luther King Jr., Buddha, Confucius, Jesus. What's the difference? They're all God, aren't they? Well, no, no. There's only one true son of God. That's one of the things that you have to uh, admit. This is the first point that I think needs to be made in connection with this statement, and that is, who is saying this? It's not just some guy. Last week, I quoted C.S. Lewis on this matter, and I shared kind of a truncated version of what he said, and so let me share the entire quote uh, uh, at this point. I am trying here to prevent someone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, talking about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't claim, uh, I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who said he was a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him uh, as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now, it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend, and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. Now, you see, this is not just some man saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. It is God incarnate uttering these words, not just to a chosen few, but to the entire human race. Christians are often criticized for claiming that Jesus is the only way to God. After all, there are billions of non-Christians in the world Are we really so narrow-minded and bigoted that we think these people will be excluded from heaven just because they happen to be born in the wrong country or have uh, been taught the wrong religion? Rabbi Shmuley Botich summed up uh, the feelings of many when he said, I am absolutely against any religion that says that one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is anything different than spiritual racism. It's a way of saying that we are closer to God than you, and that's what leads to hatred. Those who take such objections do have a point. If Jesus was merely one more religious teacher out of countless others, then his claim would be absurd. Let's face it. How can one person have a monopoly on the truth or, the pro- or proclaim that his way is the only way to God? After all, humans are finite and fallible, while God is infinitely greater than our small minds can comprehend. But, if Jesus is, in fact, God himself, that puts his claim in a totally different light, doesn't it? God himself has the ability to say with certainty whether there is one God or many, whether there are multiple ways uh, of knowing him or only one. Jesus doesn't say that he merely speaks the truth. He claims to be the embodiment of truth. He doesn't say that he can give life. He tells us he is the source of life itself. And he doesn't say he is one pathway to God among many. He asserts he is the only way. Earlier in John's gospel, Jesus made this claim to the Jewish people who uh, came to hear him. They were some of the most religious people on earth. They worshiped the God revealed uh, in the same Bible that Jesus read and quoted. And they were passionate about obeying God's commands. And yet Jesus told them, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Later he told the same audience, if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Let me share an analogy that will help give some perspective to this, I hope. In the movie Braveheart, uh, you find described the exploits of William Wallace as he led the Scottish people in rebellion against Edward Longshanks, the king of England. As Wallace's victories became more numerous, his reputation grew exponentially. And then one day he came to lead some Scottish warriors into battle who had never met him before. And he announced to the soldiers, sons of Scotland, I am William Wallace. But one incredulous warrior uh, exclaimed, William Wallace is seven feet tall. And Wallace replied, yes, I've heard he kills men by the hundreds. And uh, if he were here, he would uh, consume the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning. And at this point, all the soldiers laughed. He went on, and he said, I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. Will you fight? Suppose they'd replied, no. No we're not going to follow you or fight for you. We're waiting for the real William Wallace to appear. Do you see the absurdity of this? There was no other William Wallace. This was the man. And if they didn't follow him, then their wait for another would be both delusional and in vain. In a similar way, The people of Israel had read about God in their scriptures. Now he had shown up in person. It was ludicrous to think that they could reject him and still claim to follow the God that they had only read about. As I thought about this, I remembered uh, taking contemporary Judaism in, in seminary and I had to do a paper. And uh, in this paper, I just uh, asked the question, why can't you be a Jew and recognize Jesus as the Messiah? I mean, he fits all the Jewish scriptures uh, criteria. Why can't you be a Jew, still observe the law, still observe the customs, and just acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah? Wouldn't that be better? You know, and I think that that would be just one of the most complete things that you could possibly be. But the grader that was regrading my paper, he just went berserk at that point. And my paper just dripped red ink from there. You just can't do that. Because if you do that, you're not a Jew anymore. You're a Christian. And uh, you can't just do that. And uh, that was all he could say. He could give no reason why except that you had stepped from one camp into the other. Well, then Rabbi Olin, the prof in the class, uh, he wrote his comment on the paper, and he wrote, thou almost convincest me. You could tell Rabbi Olin knew the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. I really think, well, I'm, I'll let Rabbi Olin be Rabbi Olin. But the thing is, is that... Uh, you can. And whenever Jesus is speaking, he's speaking to the entire of the human race. And, re- and he was speaking to the Jews. He was speaking to the is to the Muslims to come. He was speaking and he speaks today to every religion, to every denomination, and if you'll just take your filters away, even if they be atheistic filters or whatever, and really hear and embrace him say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That invitation is for you. It makes no difference what your background is. This we have to accept. Well, in a, on the same evening when Jesus made this claim, no one comes from the Father except through me. He added, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. One of his disciples named Philip uh, said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus was not displaying arrogance, nor was he trying to foster spiritual racism. He simply stated the truth. There is only one God, and he became a man in the person of Jesus As Jesus walked on the earth, he showed us what he is really like, and he gave us the opportunity to truly know him. We can wait for another to show up who is seven feet tall and has fireballs in his eyes, but there is no other. Jesus tells us plainly, I am the way, the truth, and the life no one comes to the father except through me. If you haven't truly felt a connection and communion with God, it could be very well that you have allowed your filters to keep you from fully appreciating who Jesus is and what he has done for you. You see, This statement, as I've said, is an invitation to all who long to be close to the Lord. The invitation is this. If you want to know God, if you want to find him, if you want to truly have the life that deep down, you know, he has created you to live. If you want to be that person that you long to be, it's going to be through Jesus. People make it about religion. Jesus is talking about a relationship, one that begins right where you are, no matter what your past, no matter what your position. It can begin right now if it's never begun before. It makes no difference to him what religious label you're wearing at this time. The first disciples were Jewish. Gentiles came to him. Cornelius was a a guy that sought God. He wanted to know God. And so Jesus sent Peter to a pagan to preach the gospel. There's only one way. And God has made it clear. And whatever label you've had in the past, whatever route you've been trying to take in the past, they're going to lead nowhere until you listen and hear Jesus say these words. You can be Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, Christian, Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Pentecostal, Protestant, or wear any other label or be from any other background. God loves you and he calls to you. This isn't about which religion is right or wrong. It's about whether or not you really want to know God and spend eternity with him starting right now. You see, he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.